Good morning, beloved. Oh, how wonderful it is to be here with you when I knew the Lord was going to see fit to allow me to come and be with you. I've just been looking forward to it every moment until now, and I hope the Lord will give us a golden moment together this morning. If you have your Bibles, I would invite you to turn to the Old Testament book of Exodus chapter 7. Exodus chapter 7. And the title for the message this morning will be The Power of the Truth. The Power of the Truth. I don't know if you paid attention to the words of that last song. I hope you did. But it said a lot about truth. That it's in the book that the truth is revealed. And it's the truth that saveth me. And I see thy, thy truth. Brother Brady was right to say that we are in a great warfare. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. But against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. You know, and in every war, what you need is some, you need some good fighters. Can I get an amen? amen. <laughs> but you also need some good weapons. And I'm glad that we have the sword of the Spirit, yes. which is the Word of God. I'm glad on our side, we have truth Himself. And we have the power and the glory of the truth. I don't know how long it's been since you thought about the truth, how important that it is, what a blessing that it is that you know the truth. I'm not talking about even so much the doctrines of grace, which I believe is a part of the truth, but truth is a person. Truth is embodied in the Lord Jesus Christ. Wisdom is a person. It's embodied in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. The law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Let's just think about the truth for a minute, biblically. The Bible says that our God is a God of truth, without iniquity, just. And right is He. All truth comes from God. But the devil has been a liar from the beginning. And he is the father of all lies. Of everything that is counterfeit to the truth of God. I believe in it, even in the end he's going to try to counterfeit Jesus Christ. I believe in the Antichrist, the man of sin. You will see the greatest counterfeit. Of Jesus Christ. And he would be. If it were possible. The scripture says. He would be even able to deceive the very elect. If it were possible. But it's not going to be possible. Because we've been given the truth. We've been given the truth. Jesus said. Lord sanctify them. By thy word. Because thy word. Is truth. Jesus, when He met 
the woman by the well. He said, the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers of God must worship Him in spirit and what? And in truth. Paul would instruct Timothy, the young minister, that he might know how to behave himself in the house of God, which is the pillar and ground of the truth. The Spirit, beloved, will lead us into all truth. Amen? Jesus said, and you shall know the truth. And the truth shall what? It shall set you free. John, in his epistle said, I have no greater joy but to know this, that my children walk in the truth. Now, every good man, every good prophet that the Lord has sent our way can guide us and show us the good way. They can teach us and instruct us in the truth and they can show us the path of life. But only one has ever come that could say these words, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. Oh beloved, there is power in the truth. Let's look at this passage and we'll see it's an incredible event here. This is actually, when you begin Exodus chapter 7, it's the second literary division of this great journey of redemption. In verses 1 through 6, we are really introduced to a person. We are introduced to the one that God would use to be the deliverer. But then uh, in verses 7 through the end, we are introduced to the actual work of redemption. And I think that mirrors also the Gospels. First, we're introduced to Christ and we see the person of Christ and then we see the work. We see the Redeemer and then we're, we see the work of redemption. And so this is that second literary division. Division is when things start to speed up. It's when they begin to really start happen, but happening in the book of Exodus. So, let's read together. And the Lord said unto Moses, See, I have made thee a god to Pharaoh, and Aaron thy brother shall be thy prophet. Thou shalt speak all that I command thee, and Aaron thy brother shall speak unto Pharaoh, that he send the children of Israel out of his land. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and multiply my signs and my wonders in the land of Egypt. But Pharaoh shall not hearken unto you, that I may lay my hand upon Egypt, and bring forth mine armies, and my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt, by great judgments. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord, when I stretch forth mine hand upon Egypt, and bring out the children of Israel from among them. Highlight this one. And Moses and Aaron did as the Lord commanded them. So did they. And Moses was fourscore years old 
and Aaron fourscore and three years old when they spake unto Pharaoh. And the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying, When Pharaoh shall speak unto you, saying, Show a miracle for you, then thou shalt say unto Aaron, Take thy rod and cast it before Pharaoh. Now listen to this, kids. And it shall become a serpent. And Moses and Aaron went in unto Pharaoh, and they did so as the Lord had commanded. And Aaron cast down his rod before Pharaoh and before his servants, and it became a serpent. Then Pharaoh also called the wise men and the sorcerers. Now the magicians of Egypt, they also did in like manner with their enchantments. For they cast down every man his rod, and they became servants, serpents. But, and as Uncle Jerry would always say, this is a big but. But, Aaron's rod swallowed up their rods. Can I get a hallelujah? Beloved, this passage is about many things. But mostly it is about the power of the truth. The truth Beloved, always goes through three stages. You can write this down. This isn't the sermon. But it's something that you can always remember about the truth. I remember one time I was in Africa. And uh, we were checking out of a place where we were staying. And there was a sign behind the desk. And I've never forgotten it. It just was like branded in my mind. The sign said, <laughs> A lie can get halfway around the world before the truth can even get its boots on. <laughs> and I just thought, how true that, that is because we are so ready to believe a lie. I remember they said about a certain young man that he would lie when the truth was better. Sorry, Uncle Jerry. That was when he was young. <laughs> Yeah, we're so ready. People are so ready to believe a lie. But these are the three stages that the truth usually goes through in the world, in circumstances. And this isn't just like, like I said, the truth about sovereign grace or even the truth about the Bible, but it's usually about all truth. The three stages of truth. First, it is loudly ridiculed. It is always loudly ridiculed. Think about Jesus, right? He was loudly ridiculed. Think about those of us that believe in the creation of the world. Now, the wise men of this world say that all the universe just happened by chance. That over billions and billions of years, man struggled out of the primordial ooze and then he became an ape and then he became an ape man and then finally he, he uh, evolutionized right into a human form and being. And those of us that believe in creation and say no, uh, mankind is different than all the rest of the created order. He's made in the image of God. God made man in His own image and He breathed into Him the the breath of life and that's why he can do algebra and that's why he can write symphonies and, and that's why he's able to think 
abstractly different from all the rest of the creator. They said, oh, you're, you're all fools to believe that old antiquated book. The truth, beloved, many times has fallen in the street. But oh, may we. Uh, there was another song. Uh, the, the Lord has been so good to me. The one you called out, Jeremy, at the end there in the course, it says, Thy truth I would defend. The truth is usually always first loudly ridiculed. So don't feel bad when you're out there in the world and you're trying to share the truth that you know, whether it's about salvation, whether it's about, uh, you know, that there are biological differences between a man and a woman. And that it's okay to be either or and nothing to be ashamed of. You know, I never thought in my lifetime that we were going to debate, you know, about that. But it's come to that, hasn't it? Yes. And those of us that believe in traditional marriage, those of us that believe in, in what, I, what we used to call biology, <laughs> we're made fun of. Don't think that it's because you're not smart enough that it's not being received. Don't believe it's because of the way that you present it that it's not being believed. This is just the stages that the truth goes through. Especially when you're talking to people who love darkness and who dwell in darkness and don't want to receive or believe the light because it reproves their deeds. And that they're evil, they're just more comfortable just believing the lie. It's just easier. So first, the truth is loudly ridiculed. Secondly, it is violently opposed. I ask you, was Jesus violently opposed? Was He or was He not whipped with a scourge over 40 times? And by stripes we are healed. Was He not nailed by His hands and feet to a cross? Was He not spit upon? Was not the beard, the hairs of His beard plucked out? Was a crown of thorns not all the world had to offer? He who was truth and only spoke truth. Yes. Beloved, <laughs> Jesus said if they hated Me, they're going to hate you too. You think that Jesus was violently opposed that we're not going to be violently opposed if we love the truth, if we speak the truth and we try to live the truth? Well, surely we are. But then, hallelujah, the third stage of the truth is that is it is accepted as self-evident. It is accepted as self-evident. Now that might not take place in this life with some, but it is going to take place in the life to come. Even the devil himself is going to kneel and we're all going to watch it. And oh man, there's going to be a shout in heaven when he comes and he kneels and he says, Jesus is the Lord. He's made fun of it. He's violently opposed it. But in the end, it's going to be the self-evident truth that he has to proclaim from his very own mouth. So, hold to the truth. Rejoice in the truth. Suffer for the truth's sake. 
Buy the truth. And what, beloved? Sell it not. Sell it not. So here, we see the violent opposition to the truth about who God is. Uh, Pharaoh has already proclaimed in chapters before, I don't know the Lord. Who is the Lord? He says, uh, when Moses and Aaron come before him with the truth, that these are God's people, they don't belong to you. They're, they're, not, they're not your slaves. They're God's servants. Let them go free. Oh, it's, it's ridiculed. He said, well, if, if they have enough time to go and worship God, let's let them find their own straw. And it's violently opposed, right? Violently opposed. It's, it's mocked. It's, it's ridiculed. But I ask you at the end, did the truth prevail? It did. Did this hard-hearted enemy and foe of the people of God, did he find out who the Lord was? Yes, indeed he did. Did he let God's people go? Yes, indeed he did. Because of the power of the truth. Yes. So, beloved, what is, how is the power of the truth used in our lives? Number one, you can always recognize truth and you can see the power of the truth because the power of the truth, number one, it will always be used to humble the pride of man. Can I get an amen there? Amen. That's why so many people won't receive the truth. It's because the truth destroys the pride of man. Man wants to believe he is good. Man wants to believe he is okay. Man wants to believe he has a spark of divine goodness within that he's born with a clean slate. We hear all of these teachings have come uh, through the uh, conduit of the sewage of hell into our lives, into our world, into man's heart. But the truth is, in sin did my mother conceive me. The truth is, I was shapen in iniquity. The truth is that we're dead in our trespasses and in our sins. The truth is that there's none that seek after God. There's none that doeth good. No, not one that every mouth may be stopped and that all the world may become guilty before God. Man does not like to hear that. Man wants to believe that he is the master of his own destiny. Man loves to hear, oh, I can get Jesus any time that I want. Any time that I want my ticket to heaven. All that I have to do is use my faith and believe on Him. And God will accept my works and I'll be okay. They love that. They want to eat that up. Give me more of that. But that's not the truth. That's not the truth. Moses and Aaron, they kept coming to this Pharaoh, this Hard-hearted. Would y'all consider Pharaoh to be a proud man? Oh, yes. yes. We all have that wickedness inside of That's why we need the truth so much. We need the truth preached to us. Put in front of our eyes and our lives constantly. Because we're all so prone to wonder. Here these men of truth, these men with the message of truth, they come to this hard-hearted Pharaoh, this 
one that is going to be humbled and they continue time and time again. How many times you can read it? They come to Him even though He doesn't receive it. Even though that He violently opposes them and He says, these are not your people. And God, the, the true God is Jehovah. And, and you, He has commanded you to let them go and you must let them go and they must be free. They just keep bringing the truth. Oh, beloved, I want to encourage you today, just keep bringing the truth. Keep bringing the truth to yourself. Keep bringing the truth to your children. Keep bringing the truth to your neighbors. Because the truth is mighty and the truth eventually will prevail. Now, like Brother Brady said, there are many counterfeits out there. Listen, that wasn't the only snake, rod snake, serpent snake that was on the floor that day in our story, was it? Man, Aaron threw down uh, the rod, he threw down the truth, and it, and it was transformed into something incredible. But then it says, not in the same manner, but in a like manner. The magicians were able to do the same. And so there are many counterfeit gospels. There are many counterfeits to the truth that are out there. And that's why we need the truth to humble us. And we can know the truth. We recognize the truth because it's always going to humble the pride of men. Turn with me to the book of 1 Corinthians. This is, this is uh, some powerful, powerful truth, beloved, for us to hear again today. You know these things, but I'm trying to bring them to your Remembrance this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We can't be proud of any truth that we know, can we? It didn't originate with us. We didn't discover the truth because we were smarter than everybody else or our teachers were smarter than everybody else. The Bible says, what do you have that you have not received? We, we the, the truth even... Uh, humbles our pride even that we have the truth or no truth. So Paul asked this. He asked this question. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? I say amen. He has. Oh, the Greeks, they thought that they were so wise. The Jews thought that they were so wise because they had the oracles of God, and indeed they should have been. But it is amazing that when the embodiment, the embodiment of truth walked among them, He came into His own and what? His own received Him not. Most of them couldn't recognize Him as the truth. And those who did recognize Him as the truth hated Him and wanted to destroy Him. I ask you today, can we not ask the same question? Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Here in our day, we are told that we descend from apes. We're told that. It's except follow the science. 
Follow the science. You know that science is ever-changing, beloved. If you're just following the science, you're going to go everywhere. And if science is all that you follow, you're going to end up falling into the pit of hell forever. Let's follow the science. You know, God made it where that we have a fossil record from the beginning of the world till now. And the fossil record, when we go and we study the fossil record, y'all know what fossils are, right? You find fossils of fish. You find fossils of birds. You find fossils of men. You find fossils of apes. You know what you don't find? You don't find eight men. You don't find birdfish. There's the science. That's science. I mean, show me, show me the transitional forms in the fossil record. No, we can't. Somehow they're all been destroyed. All of them, all the fossils have been destroyed except the ones that are intact that prove that Genesis 1 and 2 and 3 are exactly right. Hath God not made foolish the wisdom of this world? Aren't you glad that you know and have been humbled enough to receive and believe the truth? Look at verse 29 there too. He says, Why has God done all these things? He says, uh, verse 26, For you see your calling, brethren, how not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. For God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, and base things of the world, and things which are despised, hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not, to bring to naught things that are why? Why is all that truth there so powerfully evident in front of us that Paul would say in the beginnings of, of Romans that God is clearly manifested by the things that are made even to the detail of His power and Godhead are they there so that man is without excuse so that no flesh should glory in His presence. This is what the truth does. It humbles, ever humbles, the pride of man. So we have here in our story, this man, this Pharaoh, this man, that believed he was probably believed he was one of the wisest men of the world at this time. Probably one of the most powerful men of the world at this time. So great was his ego that he believed himself to be a direct descendant of Ra, the sun god himself. A god man he believed himself to be. Who are these shepherds? Who are these to tell me how I should run my country? So full of pride. He says, I won't let them go. No, I'm going to make their lives harder than they were before, as a matter of fact. Plague after plague after plague came. The first three plagues are wonders. Do you know that the magicians were able to copy them? 
The water turned to blood. They copied. How they did it, I, through the power of the devil, God allowed it, I don't know. They copied this one, turning the, the rod into a serpent. They uh, were able even, uh, the, 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 the next one, after the blood, they were able to copy. But eventually, they ran out of power. They weren't able to copy them anymore. Hallelujah. The truth was mighty. The truth prevailed. Rejoice today that Aaron's snake swallowed up all the other snakes. Yes, hallelujah. But I just want you to see, we see this man, how proud he is, how he's, he thinks he's resisting the will and the power of God. But you know, I always love Paul Harvey around here. He said, let's hear the rest of the story. Right? Y'all remember Paul Harvey? He said, oh, what a good guy he was. That's when radio was real, right? <laughs> and and uh, go with me here to uh, chapter 12. Because I just want to see, I want you to see Pharaoh humble. Do you want to see Pharaoh humble in this story? Y'all remember Saddam Hussein? Anybody remember him? Oh, he was a boaster, wasn't he? I want to, I'll destroy the U.S. Army in one day. He says, if they attack us, I'll destroy them in one day. Y'all remember when they found him? In that hole? Y'all remember that day? And they drug him up out of that hole. He was clutching that bag of money. And he hadn't had to shave or a bath for about a month. And he was still clutching on to that bag of money when they drug him up out of that hole. And then he was executed. Oh man, God knows how to humble, doesn't he? Y'all remember Nebuchadnezzar? Look at this, Babylon. And then he was eating grass like a cow. Remember what he was made to acknowledge about the God of heaven and what the truth really was? Putin, right now, Vladimir Putin, he set himself up as this untouchable, you know, dictator. Beloved, if we live long enough, we'll see the end of Him. Of all of them. That follow and believe the liar. Oh, may God bless us to, to rejoice in that. Now remember what, it was kind of unusual what God said to Moses, wasn't it there? At the beginning of that chapter, that strike you as strange. He said, behold, I have made you as a God. Unto Pharaoh. He gave Pharaoh something that he could understand. Because Pharaoh did not understand the concept of Jehovah. Obviously. So God said, okay, I'm going to give you a concept of God that, that you can understand. I'm going to make you, Moses, like a God unto Pharaoh. You're going to speak my word to him. You're going to do my signs and wonders before him. Now, listen. You know, all the times before when we read about these two groups meeting together, Moses and Aaron and Pharaoh, it's always Moses and Pharaoh, I mean Moses and Aaron trying to go up and get an audience with Pharaoh. But here at the end of the story, with this, when the truth humbles this man, look in uh, chapter 12 beginning in verse 31. Oh my, how the tables have turned. Ra incarnate is not so high and mighty anymore. As a matter of fact, his son that would be next in line to him that was also a God-man has died in his arms. 
from the death angel. Listen to what it says in verse 31. And he called for Moses and Aaron. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? How things have changed. Because all before they were going to him. Now he is calling for them by night and said, Look at the plan that he's come up with, y'all. Rise up and get you forth from among my people. Both ye and the children of Israel. And go and serve the Lord. As ye have said, hallelujah. Pharaoh turned into a preacher of the gospel. Saul is among the prophets. Saul is among the prophets. Pharaoh himself has become a preacher of the gospel. Balaam is blessing the children of God. Oh, the power of the truth. Oh, the power of the truth. How it humbles. How it humbles, man. He said, go as ye have said. And take your flocks and your herds as ye have said and be gone. And notice this last part. And highlight it. What he says. And let it stir home to you when you doubt. When you doubt your beliefs and believe your doubts. Don't do it. Doubt your doubts. Believe your beliefs. And he said, and bless me also. Who do you ask to bless you? But a God. But a God. What did he say? He said, I have made you unto Pharaoh as a God. And Pharaoh was so hard-hearted. He was so proud. But do you see how humbled down that he is now? And he calls for these little lowly shepherd men, these little ordinary men. And and he says, I've got a plan. How about you take all the children of Israel and how about y'all just go and as a matter of fact, why don't y'all take everything that you have and... Why don't you just spoil all the treasures of Egypt and take them with you too as you go your merry way to worship and serve God. And if you could, throw me a bone and bless me too. Hallelujah. Obviously the power of that. I hope you think about situations in your life that just look helpless. That Man, y'all, I've seen something here recently. That for 20 years I've looked at this situation. I said that situation will never be right. I knew the people involved. I knew the pride. I knew the circumstances. And in a matter of a month, God has brought healing. God has brought unity. God has brought forgiveness and fellowship. And destroyed the works of the devil. I rejoice. I give Him praise and glory. These people had been in Egypt for a long time. They had been making bricks and building pyramids for a long time. But today was the day that the truth prevailed. And they left there with great joy. And you know they got Joseph's bones. Remember Joseph said, when y'all ever get out of here, y'all get my bones and bury me back there in the field of Machpelah with Abraham, with Isaac. With Jacob, with my people. And hallelujah, through that 400 years, they kept telling each other, whenever we get out of here, we got to remember to get on Joseph's bones. And they knew where those bones were. And they went and got them. And, and Joseph crossed the Red Sea with them. God doesn't forget anything. 
thing. God, God's not on our timetable. But His truth is going to prevail. His truth is always going to humble man. You know, the truth of God's sovereignty is so humbling. Like I said, you know, we believe in total depravity. We believe that's part of the truth. The world rejects that. The world lies at that. The world violently opposes that. But in the end, they're going to self-evidently say, you know what, that was the truth. That was the truth. God is so sovereign, He can harden one heart, soften another. You know, the same sun that hardens clay, beloved, it melts butter. Can I get eight? <laughs> Aren't you glad He softened your heart? Aren't you glad He opened your ears to hear, receive, and believe the truth and to know the power and the glory of it in your life in the person and face of Jesus Christ? I am so beloved, just like Moses and Aaron Learn to do exactly what God commanded them to do. It says that, if you'll look, just in chapter 7, it says it three times. These old men, these were 80-year-old and 83-year-old men. Now, it said about Moses that he spent the first 40 years of his life thinking he was somebody. The next 40 years of his life learning that he was a nobody. And then the last 40 years of his life, seeing what God could do with somebody that knew He wasn't nobody that learned that God was everything. Let's get busy on that. These were 80 and 83 year old men speaking to the most powerful monarch of the world at this time knowing that God said whatever you say to Him He's not going to receive. He's not going to believe. God told Him time and time again. He's not going to believe you. He's not going to hear you because I've hardened His heart. Other places it says that Pharaoh Hardened his own heart. Other places it just says that Pharaoh's heart was hard. God's sovereign. That's the truth. He does His will. And the armies of the heavens and of the earth. And none can say to Him, stay His hand. Or say to Him what? What doest thou? He is the potter. He has the power of the clay. He can make one lump unto honor and another unto dishonor. The clay cannot say to Him, why hast thou made me thus? It's the truth. And the truth will always humble the heart of man. It's part of the power of the truth. So let us live the truth. Let us speak the truth. And let us see the truth's power. There's a flip side to this coin that I love so much. Because not only does the truth always humble the pride in the heart of man, but the truth on the flip side of that coin, it always exalts the glory of God. Yes. You want to know why I'm a primitive Baptist? It's not because I was born into it. It's not because I have generations of my family on, on either side going back as about far back as I can see. As a matter of fact, sometimes when you're looking at your family tree, you just sometimes you want to say, Lord, why don't you just give me a seed and let me start over? <laughs> It's because in my life when I begin to study the Scriptures and I begin to really understand the body of truth that is, that is herein, what I loved about the Primitive Baptists is that they are among God's church who want to give God all the glory and praise and honor. 
You can say a lot of faults that we have. We have a lot of faults and everything ain't right. But beloved, that's something that God blessed us to get right. Is we want God to receive all the glory. And that's why I believe He's kept the truth among us. Because the truth always humbles the pride of man. But the truth always exalts the glory of God. God's going to humble with His truth the Egyptians. Can I get an amen? amen? He is going to humble. He is going to humble hard-hearted Pharaoh. Amen? amen? But He's also going to exalt Himself. Because we read in our passage that the Egyptians are going to know that I am the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Do you know that God is using us in this world for that same purpose? And that same message, those of us who believe and have received and have been humbled by the truth, as you go out there and you proclaim it and you live it, no matter if it's ridiculed, no matter if it's, it's received or not, beloved, you don't have to defend the truth. The truth can defend itself. Just let it out. Just let it out. Tell a story about a traveling circus. Went to a town. People were scared because they heard that the line was, you know, really dangerous. So all the people of the town decided they were going to go and kill the line. And the news came to the ringmaster, you know, the guy that took care of the circus. And the people came to him. They said, listen, we've heard this rumor. People are scared of the line. They're coming tonight. They're going to try to kill the lion. What are we going to do? He said, how about we let the line out when they get here? Take care of everything, wouldn't it? <laughs> Truth don't need to be defended. Truth can defend itself. But we need to proclaim it. We need to proclaim it and let it exalt the glory of God. The Egyptians were going to understand the reality of the true God. They had all these gods. They had... The God of the Nile. They had the God of the sun. They, they worshipped the dogs. They worshipped the eagles. They, they had all these gods. God for everything. And do you know that every plague that God sent attacked the main core of their deities? First one He attacks is the Nile. Do you know what Egypt, Egypt is called by Herodotus, the great historian? Egypt itself is called the gift of the Nile. Because they believed that the Nile was a god. First thing God does, turn the Nile to blood. And all the fish in it die and the people can't drink it and it makes them sick. He attacks and, and he attacks. The last one he attacks is Ra, the sun god. Darkness and the death angel. Oh, beloved. Oh, the power of God. The, the truth, this, this is what the, the truth does too. It always separates us from the world, right? But it unites the church together. That's part of why being in church is so important. It is the pillaring ground of the truth. The truth unites us together. It's error that divides. But the truth unites. God is going to use His truth here. Look with me back in my text. Know what He said in verse 5? And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch forth my hand among Egypt and do what? And bring out the children of Israel from where? From among them. This is what the truth does. It separates you from the world. What's going on here in this throne room of Pharaoh in Exodus 7? 
It's not a rod serpent eating contest that's going on. It's a battle between good and evil. It's a battle between light and darkness. And beloved, good one and light one and God one because Aaron's rod swallowed up their rods. He rejoiced in that. I rejoice in that. God was exalted. He was exalted in the Exodus. In this story of redemption. His truth separated out His people from the rest of the lie-believing world. And it united them together. What were they united under? You could say, well, their common lineage. You know, when all they had was their common lineage, they fractured and fell apart. What united them was Jehovah. What united them was the truth. Beloved, that's what's going to unite us and keep us together. Hallelujah. Because it exalts the glory of God. The glory of God can change lives. The truth of God's glory changes lives and minds. I've seen it so many times. Uh, look at here. This is some kind of awesome things in the story. Look at uh, Exodus 9, verse 20. First through the plagues, everybody was, you know, on Pharaoh's side and all the plagues. But as they intensified and, and as uh, the magicians were not able to replicate, look at this in verse 20. He that feared the what? Of the Lord. Right? Verse 20, Exodus 9. He that feared the word of the Lord. Now the next thing that you would suppose you would expect to read is among the children of Israel. But that's not what we read, is it? He that feared the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh made his servants and his cattle flee into the houses. What does that mean? That means that halfway through the plagues, the people began to believe Moses and Aaron and they began to believe the word of the God. God said, I'm going to send fire down from heaven and it's going to destroy uh, all of your livestock. The people said, they said, um, water's going to be turned to blood and water turned to blood. Said there are going to be frogs. Said there's going to be like All those things happen. Hmm. Tell you what. Let's bring all of our cattle. Let's bring all of our sheep. Let's bring all of our people inside. And we'll save them from this terrible plague. And they did. Remember when Jonah went and preached to Nineveh? Did they repent? They repented. All the glory of God. the truth of the glory of God. We sell it short, don't we? we? We sell it short. We sell God short. Just like I told you, I told off of myself. I looked at that situation that's been wrong for 20 years. And what did I say? What did old hard-hearted, unbelieving, naked pitney say? It'll never be right. It'll never be healed. Wrong again, God said. Wrong again, son. Wrong again. Oh, but even more wonderful than just them just believing the Word of God and saving their cattle and their servants. Look with me also, just quickly, uh, Exodus 12, 38, right after Pharaoh had, had called for Moses and Aaron, guys, can I talk to you? <laughs> 
uh, I think it would be good for y'all to just go ahead and leave the way y'all said. Bless me on your way out. Listen to what it, what it says here. This is powerful to me. And as a matter of fact, if you ever watch the Old Ten Commandments uh, with Charlton Heston, which, you know, I still in my mind a little bit when I think about Moses, I think about Charlton Heston, just being honest. <laughs> says, uh, verse 37, And the children of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Succoth, about 600,000 on foot that were men beside children. And underline this in your Bible, highlight it. And a mi mixed multitude went also with them. Do y'all know what that means? Do you know what it means, Marvin? The Egyptians went with them. And the uh, Ten Commandments picked up on that. Some of y'all will remember the movie. Some of them went in the Exodus that believed and saw the power of God. Well, who knows out there in our lives, our co-workers, our neighbors, our children, family members. You say, Mother Nathan, man, I've talked to them till I'm blue in the face. But don't you think Moses and Aaron felt that way? Talk, they're so hard-hearted. They're, so, they're just so comfortable in, in where they are. They'll, they're just, they love Egypt. I want you to let your eyes read it again. That when they went out, they went out with a mixed multitude. Remember what it said even in the Gospels after, after Jesus' resurrection and the disciples began preaching and the church began growing? It said, and many of the priests were what? They were obedient to the faith. These that had so ridiculed Jesus. Who is this one from Nazareth? Who, who is this Galilean? Don't we know His mother Mary? And aren't His brothers among us? Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Who are these primitive Baptists? These old hard shells? These old fuddy-duddies? These old traditionalists? They don't even have a band uh, they don't even have Sunday school. Uh, they don't even have all these programs. You know what they do have? They got the truth. They got the truth. Oh, may we love it. May we live it. May we share it. May we see the power of it. You know, this is... Also, so evident in the uh, doctrines of grace that we love so much. And that's part of why we love the doctrines of grace so much. As a, as a, as a core of truth about salvation and redemption. Because they do the exact things that I just said. They, every one of them humbles the pride of man. Totally privately. Totally humbles the pride of man. Totally gives God all the glory. Amen? Yeah. Election. Some people want to be proud about election. You can't, you can't be proud about election. Election teaches you that there was nothing good in you that would ever make God want to choose you. That's why it's called unconditional election. As a matter of fact, when it's taught right, it's the exact opposite. That there was everything in you that would make God not want to choose you. Oh, and then we come to the atonement. Oh, how humbling is this? 
that Jesus Christ only died for those that had been given to Him by the Father, that had been chosen before the world began, and that Christ died for them and for them alone. Oh, that's humbling. And God exalting. Can He be gracious to whom He will be gracious? Can He have mercy on whom He have mercy? Is it of Him that willeth? Or of Him that runneth? Or it is of God? Were they born of the will of the flesh or of the will of man? Or were they born of God? They were born of God. We come to the irresistible grace. Humbling again. You mean I, I, just, I just can't decide that I want to be saved? I can't just save myself? I just can't get myself born again? No, you can't. You didn't get yourself born the first time. You didn't choose your parents. You didn't choose when. You didn't choose how. Nicodemus said, can a man go to his mother's womb the second time? Jesus said, are you a teacher in Israel and you don't even know how a person comes into the kingdom? Hallelujah. Nicodemus was one of those that we believe was obedient to the faith. But it happens like this. That somewhere between conception and death, the foundation of God standeth sure the Lord knoweth them that are His. And through His power and the immediate regeneration of the Spirit, He quickens, He makes alive His children, and He brings them to know His Son and their Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And He draws them effectually and irresistibly by His power. And He gets all the glory for it. No preacher gets the glory for it. No church gets the glory for it. No parents get the glory for it. No doctrines get the glory for it. All the glory goes to God. And it's the power of the truth. And then you think we can keep it for ourselves. But then there's perseverance and preservation that tells us that's humbling too. I can't even keep myself saved. i got to have God's help. He's got to... Keep my inheritance for me. And He's got to keep me for my inheritance. Can I get amen? And it humbles the pride of man. And exalts the glory of God. Hallelujah. The truth also transforms the ordinary into extraordinary. Think about, think about this. The men that Jesus chose for His inner circle. <laughs> These were ordinary men, David. Fishermen. Nobodies. Outcasts. Jesus says, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. They took note of these men that they had been with who? They had been with Jesus. These twelve ordinary men turned the world upside down. Amen? You know what did that? The power of the truth. They saw a resurrected Lord and knew that all of His claims of who He was had been validated over their souls and over their lives. And the power of the truth did that. Just like our two characters here, these two shepherds, these two brickmakers, Moses and, and Aaron. Now, albeit Moses has a little bit of a pedigree because of the first 40 years of his life, but... He was outcast. He was exiled. He was really even worse off than Aaron was. But God chose to use these two brothers 
from Amram and Jochebed to be the deliverers to bring down the most powerful empire and ruler of the world at this time. Lead out a million slaves across a wilderness, part Red Seas, bring water from rocks, throw rods down on the ground and they become snakes, put hands inside their jackets and they would pull it out and it was leprous and put it back in and it was cleansed. They would put the rod in the water and it would turn to blood, beloved. Not fake red algae. Blood. Blood. Ordinary men doing extraordinary things. What's more ordinary than a rod? And yet when they obeyed the truth of God and did exactly as the Lord commanded, it became something that devoured all the counterfeit errors of the liar. Of the liar. We see extraordinary. Moses and Aaron, not only were they just shepherds, they were old guys. <laughs> you know, old guys, we, we, uh, we, um, we need to think more of older guys. I'm just saying, biblically, look at Moses and Aaron. You know what's said about Moses is his eye never dimmed and his force never abated till the day that he died. Remember Caleb and Joshua? They're 80 years old. Caleb's like, give me this mountain. It's where the giants were. It's where the most fierce people were in the land at 80. And it says about them that they wholly followed the Lord. Here about Moses and Aaron three times, it says they, they learned to do exactly as the Lord commanded them. Older people, you want a challenge for your older years? Wholly follow the Lord. Do exactly what God has commanded you to do. Buy the truth. Sell it not. Be transformed by its power. It can take the ordinary and make it extraordinary. Just like in our story. Their story is our story. The story of redemption. The story of the truth. Lastly, the power of the truth is used to overcome all counterfeits. But before we go to that, we got to go to Matthew. Because you got to remember, you got to remember our Savior in this, right? The ordinary that was extraordinary. What's the difference between those two words, ordinary and extraordinary? Anybody know? It's the word extra, isn't it? Isn't it? So, in the book of Matthew, you remember, you would think the way that Jesus would have come into the world would have been so much different. Right? Or, or we think like what we need to overcome the world or what we need to really make an impact. Man, we need a bigger building. Well, we, we need more people. Uh, we, you know, the world doesn't need better programs. The church doesn't need better programs. It just needs better men. It needs better men. That's a challenge, isn't it? Here in Matthew chapter 13, I love this. Beginning in verse... Um, let's see here. Matthew 13. And we're looking uh, here at the end. Verse 53. And it came to pass that when Jesus had finished these parables, He departed thence. 
And when he was coming to his own country, he taught them in their synagogue insomuch that they were what? They were astonished. I'm going to submit to you that he was preaching the truth. Now I asked you, does the truth matter? I asked you that at the beginning. Is the truth important? Yes. So he's preaching. They were astonished. And he said, Whence hath this man this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brethren James and Joseph and Simon and Judas and his sisters? Are they not all with us? Whence then hath this man all these things? You know. You know, don't you? Because he was 100% man. But he was also 100% God. He had something extra. <laughs> that made him extraordinary. Do you know that he's given that to you too? You're, you're not a 100% God like he was. But he has given you the spirit of truth. To live within your heart. He's given you the ability to truly discern between truth and error. To live according to the truth. To be a truth bearer in your life, in your community, in your world. This, this at the end, this battle, this, this rod-serpent battle, right? I like to imagine it, how it was. I don't know like, if... Um, Moses' rod, like it was like this big cobra, you know. And then uh, the Egyptians, they throw down these little bitty adders. You know? I don't know how they did it, but how that, however many it was, uh, Aaron's rod devoured them all. Beloved, apparently the truth is hungry. Truth is hungry. But it was about, the battle was about, hey, here's God's message, here's God's power. Oh, we got that. We don't need that. We got this. Right? Counterfeit money. It looks so much like the real thing. I remember Granny teaching me when I was young about how they would teach the bank tellers to distinguish between counterfeit and real money. He says, opposite of the way you think. He said, you would think that they would show them a whole bunch of counterfeit and say, this is what counterfeit looks like. And uh, then when you see something that looks like that, you'll know that it's not real money. That's not how they train them. You remembering this, Jeremy, from when we were young? Granddaddy said they take the real money, the genuine article, and they make them study it. Front, back. They know where the little spider is. They know where the little skeleton key is. Y'all ever seen that on the dollars? They know it so well they, they, they could engrave it themselves. But they study the real thing so much so that when any counterfeit comes across their hands, it's just a moment. And they, they see it. And they're like, that's not the real thing. That's a counterfeit. And throw it to the side. That's the way we have to be with the Word of God. To study to show ourselves approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Finish it with me. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Right? Error often comes 
dressed in the garment of truth. Yes. Error often comes dressed in the garment of truth. What are some of the errors? Oh, well, uh, we believe in election. Here's one for you that was slippery. Well, we believe in election. We believe that Jesus' death was possible to save everybody, but he, it only is applied, it's only uh, applicable to the elect. Well, very close. You got, you got really close to the truth there. Right? Wrong. Christ's atonement was sufficient for its purpose. It was sufficient for its purpose. Period. That's the truth. They say, well, we believe in election. God looked through time, saw who was going to choose Him, and therefore God elected them. Wrong. Wrong. If God looked down through time, He would have saw that nobody would have chosen. So nobody would have been elected. If He looked down through time and saw that people were going to believe in Him, it was because He chose them and gave them faith to believe in Him. That's the truth. On and on. Counterfeit after counterfeit. Magician after magician. Throwing their snakes down. Right? How do I tell the, the difference, Brother Nathan? Does that that's being preached, does that that's being taught, does it humble the pride of man? Does it exalt the glory of God? you probably got your hands on the truth. Is it being ridiculed? Is it being violently opposed? you probably got your hands on the truth. If everybody's believing it, if everybody's beating the tom-tom for it, I'll step back a minute. Take a, take a little better look at it. Myself. We must constantly be aligning our hearts with truth. Yes? Constantly aligning my heart with truth. Oh, it's hard to hear the truth sometimes. I'm not going to lie. That's why a lot of people in here, you won't go to Brady and Drew with your and, and to Drew, Brady and Marvin with your problems. You know why you won't go to them with your problems? You know why you won't talk to them about your life? Because you do not want to hear what they're going to say. Because you know these men are going to challenge you in where you're wrong, and they're going to point you to what is right. But you're not doing yourself any favors. You're not doing your family any favors. You're not doing the church any favors. Truth is hard to hear sometimes. It's a hard medicine that we need sometimes to get us well. Right? All hear these counterfeiters. I don't know how they did it. I've read so many things. Like how they did this. They said like, even people in the Middle East, they know how to paralyze a snake so much, like on the back of the neck, that they'll be rigid like a rod, and then they know how to touch them and release them from either a trance or from that paralysis, and you know, then they can move. I don't know if it's like that. All I know is that the devil has a lot of power as a fallen angel. I know God allows the devil to do certain things for his glory. I can't understand it all. That's with God, right? I know He allowed him in Job's life to take his children. I'm like, God, really? That was your plan? I destroy all this uh, health? Really, God? That was your plan? But I know when the devil wanted to take his life, 
God said, no. You can't, you can't touch his life. His life is mine. Somehow, why has God let all these counterfeits? Why, why are Christians so divided among themselves about what the truth is? I don't know. Do you know? Do you know why everybody's not an American? Do you not? Do you know why everybody's not healthy? Do you know uh, why? You know, some people get cancer and some people don't. All I can tell you is, all the problems in the world is man's fault, and all the good that's in the world is because of the mercy of God. Yeah. And all I know is God is wiser than all of us. And all I know is they all threw their serpent sticks on the floor. And at the end, God's devoured all the rest. Does that make you happy? It does me. I imagine it made Moses and Aaron pretty happy. Imagine they were pretty surprised, don't you, when they threw theirs down. They thought, well, that's going to be the end of it. Maybe sometimes that's what you think. I'm going to tell my wife the truth. That's going to be the end of it. Oh, yeah, just hold on there, cowboy. I'm going to tell my children the truth about things. They're going to straighten up and that's going to be the end of it because I told them the truth. I'm going to tell the truth. I'm going to tell the truth to the church. And the church is going to hear it and, and they're going to blame it and zippity doo dah. Mr. Bluebird on my shoulder. Oh no, man. When you go with the truth and you believe the truth and you present the truth, the world's going to say, We got our truth too. You got your truth. We got our truth. You know. Who was left on the on the serpent rod eating floor in Pharaoh's office? Only only God's truth. Only God's truth was left. But I imagine Moses and Aaron pretty surprised when those musicians came out and they were able to do that too. They probably looked at each other like, wasn't expecting that. What now? Well, they just had to watch like we do. They just had to watch, Mom. All you can do is. Believe God. They did exactly what God commanded, right? Didn't the Bible say they did? Yes. He said he's going. To, God said they're going to ask you for a miracle. You throw the truth down. God didn't tell them what was going to happen next. God didn't tell them that the magicians were going to be able to do the same. I can just see Moses and Aaron. Okay. What now? And then they started to see Aaron's rod. One of them. Oh, that was good. Another one. Oh, that was good. Till finally it was all finished. Aaron reached down. They walked out. Triumphant. I want to finish my message with this. Aaron's rod prevailed. That isn't even in the end of the story of Aaron's rod, is it? You remember when it when it bloomed before the glory of God and it, it had its resting place in the Ark of the Covenant? Yeah, anyway. Aaron's rod prevailed. God's truth is going to prevail. You're going to prevail. Those of you that are willing to do what God commands, and what God says, those of you that are willing in every way to be humbled of your pride 
and have God's glory exalted, you're going to prevail too. May the Lord bless you and keep you. As our prayer, the power of the truth.